Today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Do you feel like you're stuck in a dinner rut? With HelloFresh, you get fresh pre-measured ingredients with mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip all those trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. You can now enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less. With over 25 recipes to choose from each week, there is something for everyone to enjoy. All recipes are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. Make sure to go check their website and take a peek at some of their recipes, like their delicious Greek chicken meal with roasted potatoes and yogurt sauce, or their Chicago-style Italian beef sandwich with a side of parm fries. Go to the link in our show notes to get $80 off, including free shipping on HelloFresh, the number one meal kit. Lads, we are back. Yes, we are. It is a late... Is it not not a late night, no, but I. Uh, no. It's when we usually record them on Wednesdays. Yeah, I always forget that, you know, these evenings. And, you know, the one thing I feel like we have to do sometimes when it comes to these evening ones is balance out the lighting. Because if you are watching on the YouTube, my lighting's pretty horrible. Yours is bright. Alex is all right. Mine's half dark. And there's the Rottweiler right on cue, isn't he? I, I, yeah, I before we were gonna that. record, uh, there were like three dogs fighting each other outside my oh. house. I'm like, is that gonna affect the sound quality? <laughs> I don't hear anything, so yeah, I'm gonna say no. No, okay, okay. I think he's calmed down. I think one of the neighbors is blocking their pit bull, and my Rottweiler does not like the pit bull. Okay, busy show today. Lots to talk about. Um, I did have. A plan on what to open the show with, but we can't quite do that. So instead, we're going to focus on the Leafs and Habs. And then from there, there's a lot. There's Robin Leonard, there's some Eichel stuff and all that. So I think first we should probably start off. I mean, it really is the most important news, isn't it, guys, that that, that Nikita Gusev is released from his PTO? Who cares? What do you want me to say, man? <laughs> I'm sorry, I Alex. Know. I know you were hoping for him to find a spot, you know. I mean, the like, guy on the left it, side, but it's okay. Oh, that's going to the greatest of all time, Michael Bunting. I no. kept forgetting that Gusev was a thing, by the way. When I saw he got released, I thought, oh, I mean, I there was here. There was hope there, right? Because it was a, a somewhat, I guess you'd consider him more of a skilled guy than anything else. And yeah, uh, there's literally four spots open on the left side. So if you can fill one of those up, go right ahead. It's unfortunate. It didn't work. I, 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 what I was reading online, uh, a lot of these guys were saying he just wasn't noticeable. Like it just, he didn't stand out compared to the other guys who are competing for those positions. And I mean, look at Josh Hosang. I got himself an AHL deal, right? That's, that's what you're competing up against. Richie had a pair last night. Bunting had a hat trick. Kasha's scored. Camp has gotten up. He's a center, but still, they, he's been at least doing something. Right. Mikheyev scored a goal. Uh, yeah, Gusev, literally everything that he could have done, he just chose not to do. And you mentioned another guy there, Alex. Hosang doesn't make the team, but because of you know some shenanigans, what might be happening with 50-player contracts, is that's he works out for the Leafs, and that is uh, Joss Hosang signing an AHL contract with the Marlies. Yeah, fair. 
good for him. It's nice to see. Hopefully he can just stay there and get some stability in his career for a year or however long they, they sort of look to have him there. Yeah, I mean, look at what, and, and this was in a much shorter time span, but the Leafs did something in a similar manner with Alex Galchenyuk last year, right? Sending him down and I, I would say uh, helping him regroup. He had been with, he'd started the year with the Senators, got traded to the Hurricanes and then to the Leafs. That's not an easy thing to deal with. And, and especially like, a span of how many months it could have been, couldn't have been more than three. So I think him playing in the AHL allows him to regroup just because he it hasn't been the easiest last few years for Josh Osang. <clears throat> he has been stuck in the AHL with the Islanders and it just, it seemed, and, and the other stuff going on, um, it, it just seemed a bit messy. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was those big stretches where he would be called up but he wouldn't play. He would be like a healthy scratch for eight, nine games, and then he'd be sent back to Bridgeport. Yeah. Just what's what's the point? What are you what are we doing with this player? It makes no sense. And you know, he goes overseas, seems to figure himself out, comes to camp in a great attitude, and then um yeah. It feels like if anything that's kind of been squashed, uh, this training camp for Hosang, it's been the rumors about maybe him having an attitude about him. That has seemed like very far from the truth. So that's been really, really nice to see, to be honest with you guys. Out of anything, I think that's probably been like the feel-good story of camp so far, for the Leafs at least, has been it's been Josh Hosang. So right. I think you would some would say that you love to see it, right? <laughs> yes. Mm. Yes, you would. Mm-hmm. Okay. Staying on the whole left side of things, is it now a given that that uh, watching that game uh, before last night's game between Toronto and Montreal, I kept thinking to myself for the Toronto side of things, I just don't get the idea. Like I, I, I just I couldn't think of anyone else except Michael Bunting on that top line. Um, but then uh, Richie scores a pair in the preseason. Yeah, it's preseason, but he I think they mentioned on the broadcast he did something very simple. He went to the front of the net and he deflected the Marner shot, and uh, that's all you need to do on on that line. Uh, yeah, and and I think the thing with the playing in the top six for the Leafs is you're going to be the worst player on that line. Like, it's just the reality. Um, you're not going to be better than Matthews or Marner, and you're not going to be better than Tavares or Nylander. It's just the cap constraints and the reality of this team. Like, to say – like, the, some things on Twitter are ridiculous, but – you the job you have when you're playing on that on either of those lines is very simple like it's not it's get the puck to one of the other guys essentially mm-hmm. and then plant your ass in front of the net and if it hits you goes in or if you're there for the rebound is exactly is exactly what you want which so. uh, Twitter hot takes are you are you looking at? Because for me, I am I am on board of the thirty and thirty for Mike Bunting. I am again also on board for that, as I tweeted in his first preseason game, and when he scored a goal, he will be a thirty goal scorer. I definitely believe that. No, I I just think there's a lot of things being taken out of context because it's preseason. Um, I, I don't think any of these guys who they currently have are gonna stand out the same way that a Zach Hyman did. But we what we're forgetting is the Leafs developed Zach Hyman into what Zach Hyman is, along with the help that this is the guy he wants to be. They traded him 
for him years ago. He played in the AHL and then was brought into the NHL and, and essentially got and he got himself a nice contract. I think it was around $35 million, $40 million. Like that, I, I don't, that's not what the guys they brought in are going to do. They're going to be Hyman light. Like, I mean, Hyman light. Nick Ritchie is going, like, we've talked about Nick Ritchie. He's not going to be Zach Hyman. Neither is Michael Bunting. Like, let, let's set the reality, like, let's be realistic. What's unique about Hyman, too, and you, you can look back at a lot of names, is, is in his time in the AHL, it was his head coach. Pretty sure it was it was young Sheldon Keefe, wasn't it? Huh? Yes. And then you also look at the guys around that system he would have come up with, and it's it's Nylander, and you know now the rest of these guys have been past least due to cap casualty, but it was guys they developed like Janssen, like 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 Kapanen, and now Kapanen obviously was drafted by another team, but you know he spent time in the AHL with Toronto, so you know they always say that um, like you can tell how well put together a franchise is, not just your your NHL NHL team, but your AHL too, is that if the the method of play transitions, like if you play the same way you do in the NHL and the AHL, it's much easier for those prospects to know that, like, that next man up thing of, like, this is the role I need to play. And luckily for Hyman, you know, there was that sort of weird transition, like, hey, what's going on with, like, Babcock, how long until he gets the role here? But still, like, the thing with Hyman is he got his play style done so quickly, like, he knew exactly what he needed to do. And again, like, you saw that with like it was going back to like all or nothing. It was the big thing of VC. Like, what the hell are you? That's the worst thing. Not just with a team's identity, but a player. It's like, what are you in what role? And Hyman was ex- like perfect for that. And now, like in the position the Leafs are in, it's they have to find those diamonds in the rough that can fill that role. And hell, if Nick Ritchie can have a goal or something every other, not every other game, he's not going to spot forty. But if he can get fifteen on that top line, like. Best case scenario, really. I don't think that's too crazy to ask either. Not to mention, even if it's if it's anyone else going up there, because it's, I think it's far from set he'll be there the entire season because they're going to see what works. But yeah, I mean Hyman just. By the way, what a great story too. Sorry, sorry, the Panthers fans, but yeah, <laughs> I, I think going into the season, it shouldn't be. Um, it shouldn't be that this is the lineup they're going with the entire season. And I get the preseason in anything. And I I'd have to imagine that um, Keith would also agree in that the regular season is different than the preseason, right? Like the guys you are going up against, it, it, it's different. It, it's clearly different. So if it doesn't work, then you have other options that you can try. If none of them work, then now we're having a different conversation, but I don't want to get too far ahead in the conversation of none of these guys are Hyman, because in reality, there's a very good chance that none of these guys are Zach Hyman. You want to know something I was reading. It was um, an Arpin Basu article. I'm going to mention him again a little later when we talk about the Habs, but he had this really, really interesting he kind of broke down the way that Dominic Ducharme sort of breaks down the, the season. And it's like the first third, the second third, the stretch to the playoffs, and then the playoffs themselves. And how, you know, it, obviously the longer the season goes, the tighter the games get. And, you know, if you look at a player, 
like their numbers are going to be different no matter what in certain situations and sort of how the pressure goes up for certain times of the year. So a guy may work for that first third of the season. Another guy may actually end up working there to get the guy at the deadline who fits in and boom, he's going to be the guy in the playoffs. You never know, right? You never know. Um, I like the move? Richie part though, by the way. Sorry, Sorry, I just want to mention one thing about Nick yeah, Richie. Yeah. We mentioned about him and the way he's been playing and... I think what we you guys talked about, I think it fits with him so well. Because we've talked a lot about Michael Bunting, but with Nick Ritchie, it's just been he had to reinvent himself. And I think he was on that cusp of becoming that with Boston. That's why I was surprised that he was not given a qualifying offer or at least a contract extension with the Bruins. Because the best thing that happened to him, even though I love them on Anaheim, was get traded from the Ducks. Because there is no way that he was going to pan out into what they were expecting him to be. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to Boston and it's like, just, yeah, I'm just going to use a wrestling reference here, but he, he had to know his role. He had to know the heat till he had to lie down for the three. Yes. And right now I think that he is where he has to be. Like that trajectory is still there. And that productivity is still there because we've spoken so much about his game. We've spoken about what he's been doing with Boston, what he's been able to do, even the playoffs where we saw, like, you know, there's, there were those early on miscues that we expected from a Nick Richie that we, we even saw in juniors, like, you know, stop taking the bad penalties, stop yeah. trying to just use your size as an advantage everywhere. And I think that he settled in a bit more into playing a bit more of that skill that he does have and just try to fit where he can now. So that's why I'm kind of excited about that one. Not no, no really bias there because, you know, he's a, Great real junior guy, too. He was a Ducks prospect. But I think with Nick Ritchie, what you get with him is a guy that, like, he's about to become, like, that productive guy. Would it be fair to say that the expectations for Nick Ritchie were to be um, somewhat of a Tom Wilson who can put up 40 points a year and also beat the crap out of people? It's like, like how a decade it was like, who's going to be the next char? Now everyone's trying to find the next Tom Wilson. Right. Like in Anaheim, do you think that's what the expectation was? Especially being 10th overall. Yeah, I think it was. Um, there was that expectation. And now it's just like, just let him play his game. Just let him be what he needs to be. And I think that it, it fits perfectly wherever he goes. Um before we move on, one interesting thing is like we never really spoke too much about it. And I know he's been really quiet and we don't really know what's going on with anything with it. But like Andre Kasha is someone that I'm like, let's see where that goes. He just needs to stay healthy. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, that, yeah. That's so I, I've actually a lot of guys on Twitter that I I trust have um, have said that Kasha does actually look good and they're actually pairing him on a third line. A lot of people in their line predictions are putting him on a, a somewhat of a shutdown third line with Kampf and uh, Mikheyev. And, and, you know, I wouldn't necessarily mind that because one thing that I believe Keefe has been looking for, and I think, sorry, Justin Bourne has brought this up multiple times. And remember Justin Bourne, worked alongside Sheldon Keefe with mm-hmm. the Marlies. So was he might be looking for a third line, like a shutdown third line. And he never really had that. And 
I think he was looking for that and he thought Hyman was the perfect left wing, which is why they tried him on the third line and never found anything. But I wonder if that's something they do not that Kasha is necessarily a defensive specialist, but it's an option at least out there. Mm -hmm. All right. uh, Just going to quick, Quickly read a, a little expert here from uh, 31 Thoughts. Thought number 11. 32. Um, 32 32, thoughts. yeah. Geez. Adam, <laughs> come on. Uh, thought number 11. Quote, I thought... Um, Adam, come on, read. Quote, I think Toronto lets things play out before making any decisions on Morgan Riley. It's not only about what it costs to sign him but what else they need to do cap-wise if they sign him. This season's performance, and not just his own, determines what happens here. And with several months to consider it, I don't think money was the deciding factor in Zach Hyman's negotiations. It was trade-slash-no-move protection, which will be something to watch with Riley, too. First off, I found that interesting. I thought it was more about like the term and money. That's It's it's weird to hear, no, it was, it was trade protection. Because you know what, it, if I was thinking about this earlier, right, is like Hyman's not, the way he plays the game and the injuries he's had, that's not a guy that you can really afford to bite the bullet on, you know what I mean? Um, but I, I wonder if there is going to be a quote-unquote bad contract the Leafs end up have to sign, and you can say whichever you want about, about Marner, right? But you know, he's a good player. I wonder if it is Morgan Riley. If, aka, like, that's the guy that you bite on the terminat, he's not a too-physical defenseman and all that. Um, we'll talk about the likes of, aka, like, the, the rental stuff that Alex wants to get to in, in a bit here. Um, but looking at a Riley contract, what do you guys see doing or happening with it, sorry, if you're Dubis? Like, where do you draw the line making a contract with Morgan Riley? If, if I'm being 100% honest, I, I'm really drawing the line at $8 million. Really? Yeah, same here. I, I was thinking 7.85, but yeah, eight, 8 is pretty average. Like, here's how I look at it, is all those guys got a lot of money in a span of two weeks, right? Nurse, Jones, Wierenski. We all know why Wierenski got what he got. plenty of that is the Columbus tax. Like Mm -hmm. he's a great defenseman. I'm not trying to downplay his ability, but he got that extra money because who, no offense. It's just Columbus in recent years, hasn't been a great attraction. We've seen multiple players not resign. The other two are clear overpayments. Darnell nurse got that money because Seth Jones got that money. I just think, you know, three weeks later, a month later, Colton Pareko gets eight years at six and a half million dollars. Like, I, I don't know how you justify more than eight million dollars to put towards Morgan Riley. I was thinking like I I, I was thinking he's around seven point five just because I, I think it's it's. If he stays in Toronto, I feel like because, and again, I think a lot of this ends up like, what does Rasmus Sandin look like this year? Right. Because you would assume in the long term, he can be someone who you end up seeing in a top four role there. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be like Morgan Riley in one year, he can put up 70 points. But again, on, on that power play, they figure it out. Tyson Berry could have put up 100 points. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I look at, I look at, 
Pareko, right? And they were right-handed defensemen there. If it was only him after Petrangelo had left, maybe it's a bit more. Um, and, and even that is, like, I, and you know me, I've been, a, I think I've been a bit critical of Morgan Riley on this podcast before. Um, because like, honestly, like who are defensemen making around $8 million? Haskinen, one of the best, like everyone north of there is, you know, just, I think like elite defensemen. And I don't know if Morgan Riley's elite. I think he's very, very good, but you know, he's not Kale McCarr, right? No. Like, there is, again, there is a certain part of the bullet that the Leafs would have to bite with me, but it, it would have to be with, like, term in that, right? Like, and of course, they can give him all the signing bonuses he wants. It's just, like, yeah, like, I think once you get past eight and past that, you start saying, well, hold up, buddy. And it's like, if somebody is going to be the guy who has to take the fall and take that kind of contract, don't let it be you because you... Maybe if this was a few years down the line and we're hoping in the, the big thing is at the end of this three-year window, that's when the cap's going to go up. It was more towards then maybe, but I think we're all kind of looking at the next three years or kind of Toronto's window. I mean, a lot of people would just say this year, but let's be honest, right? You can kind of see them blocks. That's how I look at it, at least. No, you're right. Like, honestly, if we could, if he could sign for $7 million a year, I'd say, okay, let's get her done. I'm just in my eyes, $8 million is the most amount of money I'm willing to give to Morgan Riley. Just, and I, I'm, to be honest, I'm not really comfortable with giving him $8 million either. It's just the fact yeah. that he's going to be a UFA and he can, I have a feeling if he went to open market, there's GMs who would be very willing to give the, give him $8 million or more. It's just, I think he has to realize, and I think he knows that if he's staying in Toronto, he's going to be taking less than what he would get on the open market. And so a lot of internal work as well, too. When you mentioned Adam about like the wait and see for 32 thoughts of everything, um, it's all about how they're going to fit it around the cap, because I don't know why my mind went to this, but I thought of Alex Kerfoot eventually where I think about where, Maybe I'm just overly optimistic with what the Leafs have right now on the roster. And there's a lot of guys that have the high, like, you know, the high reward, low risk situation going on. Mm -hmm. And I think of where Alex Kerfoot slotted in as of right now. And the fact that he hasn't always been the most reliable center there and he's making 3.5 million. I think that he would be a guy who would be a casualty if they were to get the Morgan Riley extension done. Mm-hmm. Before the offseason starts, but again, yeah, with with what Morgan Riley kind of views himself and where he is in this, like the team, I believe he is part of the core. I really do believe it, but I agree with you when I say that he is not a bona fide number one guy that's going to get over eight million dollars if he stays in Toronto. He's going to get that if he op- goes to the open market. I think of him kind of like Tory Krug, that kind of role. Um, so, by the way, I just wanted to expand upon this. The reason I said the Leafs need to win in like within three years is the following players all have three years left on their deal. That being TJ Brody, Jake Muzzin, William Nylander, and Mr. Austin Matthews. And I just wanted to quickly check something. You know what Austin Matthews is really going to like about this contract is... And, it, and obviously, the, the player I'm about to mention has said he's going to take less, but the summer before Austin Matthews signs or is, is due to, for a new contract, um, that is the year Nathan McKinnon will be a UFA. So 
actually by then Matthews would be able to extend with the year left so I think that's gonna be a very interesting storyline to keep up with or if McKinnon takes less he could be like what about you Austin what about you um are you a team guy yeah, I cannot wait for that whole year because it's just going to be, is he going to leave? Is he going to go? Um, but speaking of going, Alex, I wanted to throw this over to you because you did mention that yeah. you wanted to talk about this narrative that I think was started this summer by the SDP guys and Dubis's thing of, quote, own rentals. Mm-hmm. It's a conspiracy. No, he's not. They're not wrong, though. Like, that, like they're right but they're not a hundred percent right mm-hmm. um i think a lot of people like to compare lou and kyle uh, and kyle dubas and i think that's a debate for another day but because that 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 will be a lengthy one i'm sure it's just that's not a hundred percent true that he's the one who started this own rental thing. So if we go back, Dubis has been GM since uh, I, uh, 2018, the 2018 off season. Correct. Is right? that, I have, three or four I'll double check Kat friendly, but man, does that not feel like it? It, yeah. it has felt it, longer it, than that. It's been three years. Cause John Tavares has four year left left <laughs> on his contract. So oh he signed God. a seven year deal with him. Yeah. What, we have to remember is so this year or last year was Hyman the year before and you you're not going to trade Hyman right that's that's ridiculous that's a ridiculous thought process you just it it was the reality the year before it was Tyson Berry and my understanding one of the offers from Vancouver was a second and Troy Stetcher okay fine you lost out on a second and Troy Stetcher that's fair yeah. Uh, at the time, the Leafs were going to make the playoffs. How much and, and things were going better for Tyson Berry under Sheldon Keefe. Like the numbers do show that. The numbers mm-hmm. do show that. The year before that, his first year, I don't think there was anybody. His first full year, I don't think there was anybody. I did go back and look. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Jake Gardner. Let's not forget Jake mm-hmm. Gardner. I think that was the Jake Gardner year. Jake Gardner was injured. So explain to me how you're going to trade Jake Gardner for anything, right? I think he was injured at the time or he was like, you're also, and you're making the playoffs. What? I, yeah, Go ahead, I Dan. Think, sorry. I think after, um, I don't know, after the Leafs, they showed that what they were able to do against Washington in the first round. And all, like, this is just my, my opinion. Mm-hmm. Once you have a team like that that proved okay, the young core could handle what they're doing, and then we got John Tavares. I don't care about like those deals. I don't care about a second round getting a second round pick in Troy Stetcher. You you go in, you go all in, no matter what, every year if you have this core. So assets like that are always going to happen. So I I think like in, I think that what Kyle Dubas has been doing with that is it's perfectly fine. Sorry, go ahead, Adam. I, I, I'm going to be quick here. L- listen, yeah. okay, if you're going for it, or not even go going for it like Tampa or Toronto did this year, listen, you're going to make the playoffs and there's always a chance when you make it. Like, just go for Yeah, again, once once you're at the point where your team's good, you don't, 
you don't care. Let's just go and win. It's it's plus it's such a twenty twenty hindsight too. That's it, it, it that's is. all I understand. But the point I'm trying to make is yeah. that it started before Kyle Dubis. Yeah, it really did. The la- his last year was a lose last year. Sorry, and, and I'm not trying to trying to put this up to a Lou versus Kyle thing. It's just this is the reality. Um. His last year, the summer that Kyle Dubas was made general manager of the Leafs, James Van Riemsdyk and Tyler Bozak were Mm -hmm. both up. Yeah. So they weren't traded and they lost in seven to the Bruins. Yep. I have a good example. I just thought of it. Mm -hmm. So remember when the St. Louis Blues were like, we're still clearly playoff bound. Don't worry about us. And then they traded Paul Stastny at the deadline. Well, that was, and they did that to Shattenkirk, but that, that's when they realized, listen, we're just, we're not, I think it, I think it's different. So yeah, the Blues were like, listen, we know we're not good enough. But then since then, I mean, look how they've sort of ended up when they haven't made smarter decisions in prioritizing certain players. The Leafs are, they, they were a young team and like, remember the Boyle acquisition? It was still like, listen, like you you, they earned it. You know what I mean? I think, I think it's a bit of a different philosophy, but like, listen, any good team, you know what? Like, how about this? How about this? Should Tampa have traded their third line last year? No, no, no. Obviously not. Every good team goes for it, except for like St. Louis, which is just strange. But then again, St. Louis pulled out the magic of being last place in the new year, and Bennington came out of nowhere. Like, I think I want to take away from their cup win. They got nothing for like O'Reilly, too, but. Yeah, I think it's a bit different. It's a bit different. I have another I, example. Yeah. Sorry, okay. it's a very I'm subtle one, but I'm not going to name the player because of uh, Adam and his mom. Oh, sorry. But I don't, think the Leafs, I don't think the Leafs missed Yessi Alonen. I believe <laughs> it was... I don't think it was No, Yolanin. it was not. Was it was it? a no. Lovzin. Oh, was... yeah, Jakob Olofsson, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. there you go. My apologies. But I yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Into anything. The, the, or I don't the, think the Leafs yeah. like, missed Sean Dursey. No, or well, they extended Jake Muzzin. Yeah, like, okay, yeah. The, I mean, but at the, the time, you know. There. But to to me, I I just I find it incredibly funny how worked, especially that for that year where they let JVR and Bozak walk, and they did end up signing Tavares. But I, I'm sorry, how they literally paid a second round pick, and um, who was the player involved in that deal? Uh. They're not even worth remembering. For which one? For the Thomas Placanix deal. Who was the? It was oh, Renat, uh, I think it was Reichel and Valiev. Yeah, Renat Valiev. So they mm. traded a, a second and those guys, and no one's up in arms about that. You gave up a second round pick. Like I, I think it's just a lot of double standards and and just forgetting the facts that this isn't a dubious thing. Oh, you! A lot of people miss the fact that Kyle Dubis literally learned how to be in like a lot of things from and being an NHL GM from Lou. The time thing, you know how Kyle said Dubis says. I don't know why I keep calling them Kyle. We're not on a first name. We're basis. friends. We're friends. I don't know. <laughs> I I just started doing that. It's the all or nothing thing. Sorry, uh, Dubis said. You know, you got to use the time. And then Justin Bourne, like a couple of days later, we were, he was on Leaf Sour, and he's like, "Well, that's a Lou thing. Like Lou said that." Yeah. Like, oh, man, I have a hot take here. Let's hear it. I love hot. Well, takes. I've, yeah, I've used this for the deadline ones, but 
the way the window is and the way Toronto wants to keep bolstering this roster, no matter what happens, especially at the deadline. Um, I don't believe, okay. What well, I, I'm going to have a bit of trouble saying his name, but I'm just going to use him as an example. Um, he was a second round pick this year, Matthew nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I believe him and Rodion Amirov won't actually play for Toronto. You think they're, they're going to be used as assets? Yes. For Jack Eichel. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but like, that's what can, like, I, I don't see, like, even this year, there was the whole debate about how they just threw everything away. Um, they, they traded a pick for Riddick. They traded a pick for Hunt. They traded multiple picks for Nick Foligno. Like, I'm sorry, we all were watching the same team. If you want to have a debate about Foligno versus Hall, that's fine. I, I still think a lot of that is 2020 hindsight. But I think there's a lot of double standards on, I mean, we watched the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Would you have not gone all in on the team this year without we knowing the behind the, the scenes? champions of the deadline. <laughs> Everyone right. did. They, everyone was like, go get it. We go. We're going all in doobie. It was, it was awesome. I think there's a lot of 2020 hindsight. And I think there's a lot of back and forth with Kyle Dubas. And I just think let's be realistic and let's look at the facts before you say these things. Like every, yeah, again, every contender does that. Like it's when it comes to the draft picks kind of thing is like, those are your, those are your betting chips, right? Um, I'm still going to argue about this. I know that it's been said so many times, but that first round pick they gave Nick Felino, no one knew who you were going to get at the later twenties, right? Like it's, it's the, what is, um, Steve Dangle call it. He calls it magic beans. That's the way this team, like that's usually goes like past the third round. But I think the way the first went that it's the same thing with this. Like no one knew who you were going to get in terms of like the scouting reports because no one played. Exactly. Uh, exactly. But we're going to argue about the fourth, right? Oh, of course. Just like Yarmo and Kyle did. <laughs> Ridiculous. I hate it so much. Okay. Well, guys, there we go. Good, good first segment. Very long segment. Um, but hey, I thought that was good. That was really good. Okay, moving on. We'll look at Montreal. Not as joyous in Montreal land for spots right now because everyone is hurt. Everyone is hurt. Uh, it came out today that Carey Price will not be able to practice with the team before the season even starts. Apparently, there is some illness he had that's pushed him back. Um, and joining Mike Hoffman out for a few weeks, uh, two to three weeks now, Joel Edmondson with an injury. It, it is not disclosed, um, but right now the Montreal Canadiens roster is uh, opening night. He's going to be missing some key names. Not in a great way right now are the Montreal Canadiens. No, that it, it's not great, especially considering the way um, the way that Montreal play and. And what I mean by that is we've had countless conversations about it is there's not a reliance on one or two players or three players. It's a reliance on the overall system that everyone mm-hmm. buys into. So to lose key import there, there are important players, right? Of course, every team has important players, but to lose important players, it, it is rough on a system that is comprised like that one. Yeah. Especially when, 
Uh, I was going to mention that ARP and Boston thing again. He had this article that was talking about the new concept of Montreal's defense. We know that Shea Weber is not going to play this year. And maybe never again. Um, and we always, we as you mentioned, Alex, is the Montreal Canadiens, due to their inability to bring star power in, um, they score by committee. They play forward by committee. It's four lines, even ice time, excluding whatever happens with special teams and that we know the likes. Um, but with Shea Weber, Weber, Weber being gone, it seems to be that mentality is now shifting to the defense. Now, what worries me is looking at how it's shaping up. If Edmondson isn't going to be bad, obviously he's not going to be there for the home player. Um, or opening night. What's a problem is, you see Romano has been put on that pairing. That's not bad. You're okay with that. The third pairing, we don't know what's going on. They may be forced to actually play Brett Kulak, thank goodness. Um, Do you mind just setting up the pairings? Just so get a visualize, uh, just an idea. I was pretty upset oh. when we had to talk about this and I had to look at who didn't make the team, but that's okay. Yeah. yeah you know what's funny? Gianni, you mentioned Gianni Fairbrother. Mm-hmm. He had a really good camp. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it. There, there's injuries. There's a space. There's a spot. Because they don't like Brett Kulak. Poor Gianni's not gonna get. Not gonna get it up. Um, as I get up Arpin Basu, I'm assuming he has the pairings somewhere. But he, here they are. These are the overall pairings at camp from his Twitter account. Um, so um, so Petri Romanov, Kulak, and then Gulli's probably not going to make the team. So Kulak's that first defenseman with Chris Weidman, who I thought has had a pretty good camp so far, by the way. But what I'm worried about. Gentlemen, is that the coach is going to go back to his favorite toy, aka I see right now the second pairing of practice is Sherrod and, and Savard, and I'm scared. You know, it's like instinctively Sid Weber there, yeah. <laughs> because in the regular season they just were stuck together. I'm kind of worried about that. Not gonna lie, very worried about the the Savard Sherrod Weber Weber pair. Not Savard Sherrod. God damn it. So if if. If I, if you were the coach of the Montreal Canadiens and the situation uh, as it is, what would you do? How would you pair the defenseman? Um, first of all, uh, if if Edmondson's there, obviously Romanov goes down with Savard. It's going to be Sherratt, and I would do Kulak, but they hate him. Um, but as it stands right now, I would actually keep Romanov and Petrie, and I would move up. Kulak and swap him with Savard and for now sort of see what Weidman can do um, and of course right now there's a wild card I've forgotten about and that was Sammy Niku who was concussed and was boarded and there was no suspension by the way because you know player safety uh, that's how I would look at it because I think that's the most balanced aka one guy who can skate and your typical stay at home just whatever it takes to keep Savard and Sherat apart is what I would do because <laughs> so it's just not together. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, it's bad. other other than like what the other injuries are, I think that this is still a solid lineup. And I have another prediction that's going to happen. Sure. So I think that when I look at the bottom six on the forward lines, um, other if you're other than Brendan Gallagher, I think a lot of that is interchangeable about who's going to go where, depending on who plays the best. And I, I'm going to expect big things from Jake Evans. And then I think a Yol Armia or a Matthew Perot, a Matthew Perot who's shown that even in limited minutes on any team he's been on, Washington, Anaheim, remember that happened, um, Winnipeg. Like he's a guy that he has been able to be productive that 
I think that they're going to be okay with that. And then the Mike Hoffman contract, at least when he comes back, is going to look like maybe a Thomas Tatar contract on both Vegas and Montreal towards the end. Well, what I kind of noticed, well, first off, what's really annoying is I had this whole thing set up that Perot was ahead for the fourth line center position ahead of Paling, and today they changed it. It's super annoying. Um, but so the way it works right now, because for those of you who aren't watching the audio version, the first line, no surprise, Suzuki, Caulfield, Toffoli. Uh, second line, Dvorak, Anderson, Drew, which has looked good. Right now, the third line is said to be Evans, Gallagher, Armia. You can imagine Hoffman will sort of slide into that third line, um, and then Armia gets moved down. What's I'm also looking at this, and I would probably Belzeal, the one who goes down, maybe alone in two, because you see this right now. Um, you're missing two players, and that is Achiri Lekkinen and Paul Byron. Um, I don't know what's up with Lekkinen, but you're also like, what's going on here? Um, but going back to Paling, by the way, he has not had a great camp. He has been almost unnoticeable at times. Uh, it was like the fourth line center was his to grab, and he's just he's just let it slip through his fingers. We voted him though as the comeback kid. I was hoping he would be Daniel. And it's disappointing because, like, as you said, Adam, he was literally. I think most of us kind of had Paling in that spot, um, just because. He seemed to be the most obvious candidate, even though, you know, yes, they signed Cedric Paquette, but I think with the way that the Canadians are built, and I think going into the season, having realistic expectations, putting a younger guy like Paling and letting him develop in that fourth line, fourth line center position would actually would be beneficial. Mm-hmm. And it's just disappointing to hear and, and as well to read that he hasn't had the greatest greatest of camps, considering everyone's just handing him this position. Not to mention, it's like he's still around for camp. Like Harvey Pinard was sent down. Michael Bizzetta, who people were like, so like Pizzetta, guy was having a great camp, but you know he's just you can tell he's just not ready yet. Um, I thought he was like 27. The guy's 23. He'll make the team one day. And then you see Paley, not to mention Brick Kulak. So a guy we go to school with, Patrick Talon, on Twitter, he goes on more about Kulak trying to get in the lineup than I do. Not to mention last year, if you guys remember, Kulak was on the outside looking in. He he never really got was given a fair chance. Um, but like Paling on the off, like different positions, obviously, but Paling on the offense has just... He's just gotten it. Like, I want him to succeed. And Brendan Gallagher did vouch for him. But, you know, it's it's very frustrating where you see Jake Evans has looked really good at camp. He seems to have a bit of a like spring in his step when it came to some stuff in the offensive zone. He's been great. And naturally, the game last night was his first one since he got his new deal. And he was out flying there, despite the rest of the Habs not looking great last night. Um, And just paling, it's just there's there's something there. Um. That he needs to show it. It's it's disappointing because you know they they need him. That or make a deal and send him to Buffalo for Jack Eichel. Uh, uh-huh. Naturally, should happen. But yeah, um, hopefully Montreal uh, he, can get some healthy players here. I thought you were gonna comment now on uh, last night with our boy Samuel Montebo. So you know what's funny about Montebo is I thought he was good. It's just the Habs allowed like twenty shots halfway through the game, and he was just 
left out there. He's got to learn. He's got to learn that that's his job. Is you know they can't play defense outside of the playoffs. So now he's he set to do that. I mean, it's it's. I thought he looked good. It was I actually did watch some of the preseason game last night. I stopped after the first. And I'm like I still can't deal with preseason, but I thought he was good, which is weird. Okay, and I meant to. I I think by last episode he was claimed, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm kind of just bringing this on you. Yeah. What's the expectation for Montembo? Like, obviously, Price isn't going to start the season, but I think a lot of people, myself included, assume that, unfortunately, it's not Michael McNiven, uh, probably Caden Primo, but they did go out and do this. Yeah, yeah, Primo's still not ready. So it's, and they just, yeah, they hate McNiven for some reason. Don't get it. He's been good at every level he's played at, but they just don't give him the pride and joy. It's sickening. They should have um, just waited a few days. They could have got Michael Hutchinson, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that the uh, podcast retweeted that. Uh, who, I wonder who was that. <laughs> <laughs> um, But I think Mottenbo, like, once Carey Price is back, I have no idea what's going to happen to Sam Mottenbo. Like, I really hope it's just not, hey, McNiven, <laughs> you're going back to, like, I remember, what was it, like, when McNiven played for, like, three different AHL, ECHL teams in a year because they just couldn't get him to play. Like, that's a guy that you would hope can get, just get a change of scenery because if, if Mambo, because he's been in the AHL the past couple of years, right? If yeah. he ends up getting that sort of backup role or they're expecting him to try and push one of the other goalies, I don't know, but it, it's very strange. I I, I I don't see him here past Price being back. I just uh, it just doesn't seem right to me. I guess the, the the place doesn't make sense unless again it's just they just don't want McNiven playing at all, which I don't understand, and I find unlikely to be honest. Well, I I just went to go look because last year they had that guy signed from the uh, KHL, and I don't remember his name. But Silly uh, Denchenko or something? Oh, yes, yes, Denchenko. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, they did not re-sign him. So in the AHL, it is Caden Primo and Michael McNiven. Mm-hmm. He's going to get his chance to play unless they make another move. I keep forgetting it's not Charlie, <clears throat> it's not Charlie Lindgren anymore. Isn't it like yes. St. Louis now or something, by the way? Very yes. strange. He is in St. Louis. I remember when he showed up and I was like, here's this hot button goalie out of the NCAA. And he's like, yeah, I saw him because Carey Price is here and I can't wait to be. He's just another guy in the carousel of backups. Seriously, thank goodness for for Jake Allen. I saw this tweet. I think think it was from Mark Dumont saying he has honestly cured 10 years of of subpar backups. (laughs) And it's amazing. Um, One last thing we're going to mention with the Canadians here. Again, 31 thoughts. Thought number 19 here. Love to see it, um, and uh, it's also something that that uh, our boy Eric Angles has been talking about lately, and uh, it has to do with good old Mark Bergevin. Quote: As Mark Bergevin continues to negotiate an extension with the Canadians, his biggest value is that he's shown he can make a plan and stick to it. That's not insignificant in hockey's most intense market. Not everyone can handle it. Not everyone is built to deal with it. It's clear ownership believes in the plan um, too. That's the question I'd be asking if I was running the organization. Can you find someone who has the ability? Being GM of the Canadians is not for the wishy-washy. First off, I think, Elliot, I think that's a, a great point people don't talk about enough. Yeah. Um, and say what you want about Bergevin. He, yeah, he sticks to his guns, all right? 
Yeah, he does. I just, I just find that so funny. Consider yeah. I, we've had that. We had this discussion last episode, and yeah. I think we had this discussion over text. That I feel like I should just bring it up again. Um, yes, he sticks to his guns, but they're not always the greatest to stick to. Would be my argument. Yeah, the philosophy of his defensive core is a bit of a question. Like, like, do you guys remember what was the biggest problem with Montreal's defensive core last year, or in the playoffs? I should say, what was the big problem? Do you guys remember? Well, I remember you complaining all year about puck moving defense. Yeah, mobility. I, I'd have to imagine that's the answer you're looking for. That and if you remember, it was all right. Weber's playing twenty minutes. Sherrod twenty minutes. Edmondson twenty minutes. Petrie twenty minutes. Gustafson five minutes. Merrill play specialist five minutes freaking airy. I think he had two good moments his entire time as a hab. Um, yes, the puck moving thing I'll never shut up about. Um, <laughs> especially because he, he's mentioned he's like, yeah, I want a puck mover. Yeah. Go get one. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, dude, you have assets. Just go do it. Um, that and and yeah, it's they need, and I think they've done that. Like, I think a big part of it is obviously if Romanov, like if his development continues. But that's that's the one thing is they need to find a, a balance with their defense is going to be a big thing there. Um, but the, yeah, that's been the thing with Burge is that not to mention something with Burge I've always really hated is he just seems to take everything so personally. Eric Angles, I believe it was said something along the lines of if, if the Canadians don't meet Mark Bergevin's price, he's going to walk. And then you'd see half of Hab's Twitter saying, OK, good. It's... <laughs> Because that's him to a T. Like, you think of what happened with, with um, like, the Kakanemi stuff. I imagine he just never... I feel like he gave one offer and that was it. Hasn't been confirmed, but you, knowing Burge, the Radulov, Markov. Again, his willingness to never make any sort of deadline moves in that. You know what I mean? He's just never sort of... And what I'm really worried about is... In, and Freeman also in 31 Thoughts said, like, he's going to bet that the Canadians take a run to try and re-sign Suzuki early. Please? But I'm just, yeah. it's almost like the nerve of you to, to try and start like strong on the organization right now after everything you've done, after <laughs> the summer you just had and making the selections in the draft that you did, you have the nerve to be like, you're going to be my price. Leverage my ass. Get out of here. They need um, a new voice, honestly. Like again, I, and I defended him in our group chat earlier, saying that like, listen, when he when he eventually used his cap space in last off season, bringing in like Toffoli and that, like he used it well. But it's just again, like it's almost like the fan base have forgotten the first five years of his tenure and how much of a failure it was. I, I think you make a good point about the voice. I mean, you make all the points you made were good, but the, you make a good point about the voice. And we have we always have that conversation with coaches where, you know, after a certain time, you know what? Perfect guy, John Tortorella. After, I, I think, what was the, it was year three, three years in, four years in, that attitude or his attitude specifically, uh, it, it tends to wear off on, mm-hmm. on players and, and I think that it's just like that with most guys. And that was happening with Babcock with the Leafs a lot quicker than a lot of people expected. But it's something we don't talk about. And I think the reason he's he's doing what he's doing in terms of saying, this is my price, you'll meet it, or you have to meet it, is because if he goes, if he goes 
I'm sure he, if he wants to take a year off, he can take a year off, but I'm sure that there's another organization out there who will gladly hire him. 100%. Because regardless, he will be like, look at my resume. And we, we, we sort of talked about it last episode or two episodes ago. Like, compared to some GMs, yeah, he's, he's accomplished some stuff. But it's just, not to mention, like, Bergevin just seems like a, a charmer. You know what I mean? He just kind of comes off as, like, he could be a, a charmer. And, like, he's like, oh, he's at the GM meetings and I'm carrying a plant. Look at me. And I think Burks talked about Brian Burks talked about it before that apparently he has a good reputation amongst executives in the league. Um, but also like that again, that point about Friedman saying the right personality to run the Habs, I, I just that's gonna stick with me for this entire year. Um but we'll, on, if he, you know, we'll be on personality watch this whole year. We should. Just I, cruise I think, around. I think that's a great point. And in Montreal especially, but I think just across Canada, like any Canadian market, you think Jim Benning likes hearing the things everyone says about him. Like that can't be easy. And the same goes with Bergman. And the, the worst part about it is that it's in two languages. Yeah. Say what you want about betting, but he stuck to his guns about getting Oliver Ekman Larson. (laughs) (laughs) No matter what. Yeah. He got him no matter what. My goodness, Jim, how could you? All right, uh, moving on, guys. First off, uh, we just want to say that um, get well soon to Ryan Gibbons. He's a linesman. Uh, was stretchered off the ice last night at the start of the Coyotes-King preseason game. Had a very awkward freak uh, sort of collision with Liam O'Brien uh, of of, uh, of the Arizona Coyotes. Um, Nick Caprios did tweet that um, a CT scan did come back clear, and he's now in concussion protocol. We do rip officials a lot on this show for Chris Lee. How are you? Um, but seriously, you know, those, those guys, like, it's they get bumped a few times and they can look kind of ugly. So get well soon, Mr. Gibbons. And we do want to say get well soon to Josh Archibald. Um, he's out indefinitely. Um, this is quickly from a Mark Spector article. Um, after undergoing a battery of tests over the past week, the Edmonton Oilers forward was found by doctors that have COVID-19 antibodies and the heart condition of myocarditis. Again, sorry if I'm saying it wrong. Um, I believe that's the same thing that has been found for like the, what is it, the one in 5,000 for like the Moderna mix or something here. Um, doctors believe Archibald 28 contracted COVID-19 sometime this summer. Between leaving the Oilers after the first round playoff exit and the point in which he tested negative upon returning to Edmonton in this fall. And side note, this is apparently the same illness that has affected Alex Stalock. So two Oilers out the entirety of the season due to comp, like, sorry, um, issues regarding COVID-19. Listen, everyone knows Archibald's stance on, you know, um, vaccines and that. Uh, he is still a human being. And we have ripped the play of Archibald before in his positioning in the Oilers lineup, but that has nothing to do with us being decent people. Um, you know, be good people here. And seriously, like, get well soon, Josh Archibald, because like this dis- this disease, this this pandemic has taken a lot of people's lives. Um, and I would hate to see it claim another one. I really would. Yeah, it's, it's could be quite some time before. He's back playing. I think uh, Merrick had a doctor on to talk about Eichel, but she did talk about this too, Mm -hmm. um, either yesterday or today. And it seems like bare minimum six, three to six months. And like, even at that, that's, that's, 
not even close. Like it could be years. So mm-hmm. we wish him the very best. Yeah. Um, again, Marco Rossi, a younger guy. He was out for a year with COVID. I don't know if it was the exact sort of incident, but still, regardless, to see what happens there. Um, look at what happened to the Canucks, the Stars. They were all affected, and yeah, man, it it. There, there's a reason that we're going outside every day and we're wearing masks and you respect social distancing and you go to the, the grocery store. And yeah, it sucks that you can only go down one way with the arrows. Hopefully people are following those rules because not everyone does. But there's a reason um, that these rules and regulations are in place. So um, that's all we can really say there. Um, next, Robin Lunner. Um, since last episode has apparently had some, he called very good talks with the NHL and the PA, good phone calls, um, and apparently has a few more. But first off, we'll talk about his media availability. And then through there, maybe we can talk about what Gary Bettman was saying. Um, first off, I, I don't know if, if both of you have seen the full um, press conference, but what I noticed right away, and if you listen to it, you pick up on very quickly, is Robin Leonard looked exhausted. He looked so tired. Like, I think in the 31 Thoughts, Freeman had this thing of like, is Robin Leonard okay? Because you can tell this this has taken a thing, like a real hit on the guy. Like, I hope he's okay. Because it, it seems like he's really put himself out there the past few days. And like, he seems to be happy with what's going on. But still, he looked so beat. I felt so bad for him. And I'm, and I'm sure when you're talking about other people's experiences or talking to other people about their experiences that it also brings up experiences that he's had. And I'm sure that's why he's looked exhausted. Like I can't imagine the conversation. I'm sure he's had horrible conversations with like uh, the, the subject of the conversation, at least with the NHL, with the PA, with other players, like, <clears throat> and and for it to all happen in such a short span of time is not easy. Mm-hmm. The way how everything has unraveled, like I feel the same way is that everything is being thrown at him at the same time where we mentioned that for maybe like a week or two, the biggest thing were the Chicago Blackhawks and then Evander Kane. And now suddenly the shift now, and like, I, I'm going to like to like, how fast everything went with the NHL and the NHL PA with Robin Leonard is astounding that all of this all came at the same time. And, you know, you have that in addition to, you also have that he's dealing with that. He's prepping for like the regular season. Yeah. So there's that, the mental, and then there's also the physical. What's what's and like, I think we give credit to Robin Leonard here, not the PA in the league, because I think in in all of this, it's been reminded to people that Akeem Alou is apparently still waiting on the results of the investigation with him and Bill Peters, which you I thought someone said it was about two years ago. I'm thinking, oh my good goodness, yeah, that was like the same year as Don Cherry. Everything pre-pandemic just feels like it was a decade ago. By the way. Um, also, I think they, they sort of asked him about that in the press conference. It was a little harder to hear them because I think they're all back in like the same room and not over Zoom. But I think they asked him something about Alu. And he said without saying, it's like, he almost sounded like it was it was some people, it was better to do what Robin Leonard was doing. And apparently, it very much feels like he was maybe trying to do this quietly. But 
the reason everything went public was maybe that he felt like it was a last resort. And I think he made that very clear. He didn't want to make it all of attention. But he almost made it sound like players in the past, the first thing they've done is gone with axes to the front gates type of thing. It, it And Gary Bettman saying that line about we have 800 employees, rah, 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 you can reach out. It's just so like, if that's true, Gary, would... Would Robin have had to do what he did? Can I read the Alan Walsh quote? Because I think it's Please do. beyond Please do. hilarious. That Please So, uh, obviously, Batman was on the Jeff Merrick show. Um, and there, he obviously, this was brought up as you were talking about. So, the next day, Alan Walsh tweets this. Was just listening to Gary Bettman on Sportsnet yesterday, where he said regarding NHL players, quote, unquote, you don't have to tweet to get our attention. We have an 800 number people can call dot, dot, dot. We're an open book. Spit my morning coffee out all over my desk, which like he's not wrong. And you brought up the Akimalu situation. We still don't have a like a re- it's been two years and, and it caught me off guard that when I saw it and I'm like, it's been two years and. And uh, I don't remember which show it was, and I'm sorry, but one of like they were talking, saying they were saying that you know he should have done this privately, and I completely disagree with the notion that Robin Leonard should have done this privately because look at what happens when it becomes a private matter. I don't know when the Chicago, no one knows when the Blackhawks investigation is going to finish. The Akima mm-hmm. Lou situation has still not been resolved it and like the, this isn't the first time we've heard about th- the, these type of situations like i said we said last episode rick westhead has talked about this in the past like this isn't the first time like i think a lot of people have to remember that this isn't new information it's just an active player talking about it which is that's what the new part is yeah active Keyword. Yeah, that's a big yeah. thing. One, yeah, that's a big thing too. Especially a guy of his like stature as well. In terms of both, like, yeah, in terms of both being an active player and also being like, like honestly, a prom a prominent face in the league. He's like, not even just that. He is Mister Advocate for Mental Health in the league too, of mm-hmm. players. It, it's Robin Leonard. Like, obviously, there's guys like Tyler Mollett in there, but Robin Leonard has been the face of that for years now. He's one of the best goalies in the NHL. Yep. <sighs> you mentioned Evander Kane there for a second earlier, Daniel. Um, apparently, uh, Freeman did mention this in passing, but the first I'm going to bring up, and he mentioned the original source, AJ Paris from Front Office Sports. Apparently, the probe around Evander Kane and this COVID violation stuff is apparently, uh, it's, it's all about he may have a fake vaccine card. Um, and... Adding on to this, Friedman says in 31 Thoughts, thought number eight, last week, Sportsnet reported that Evander Kane was under investigation for breaking COVID protocols. Tuesday night, front office sports AJ Perez reported involves, quote, the possibility Kane submitted a fake vaccinated card. I don't know where this is going to go, but when I was working on it, I wasn't under the impression that this particular transgression should be proven true, could jeopardize Kane's contract. Um, now, obviously... Fake vaccination cards are, are pretty bad. Um, if you go read the Perez article, employee to go do that, there's some details about how, obviously, you, you can't do that 
in the states and Canada. It's not to mention it's just it's pretty crappy. And I imagine if this is found to be true, um, it's illegal. Like it's illegal, right? Yeah. So like here it is. Um, beyond possible NHL sanctions, using a fake vaccination card is illegal both in the U.S. and Canada. A person who buys, sells, or counterfeits or uses a counterfeit COVID-19 vaccination card, faces up to five years in prison under U.S. federal law, which is, again, where it came in place in the U.S., a traveler attempting to enter Canada with a bogus vaccine card can be hit with up to a $750,000 um, fine and be incarcerated up to six months. A uh, large fine I don't think Kane needs at the moment. Oh, no. It's very risky. All of that. Oh, his oh, yeah, legal yeah. fees, you gotta imagine, they're starting to pile up. If not, to, with how sort of incensed the league have been around COVID and getting everyone vaccinated, you just look at Columbus and how strict they've been. Hey, Zach Ronaldo, what's up? Um, I I feel like if the league find out, even if it doesn't violate this contract, I feel like there's going to be a, a big punishment if this is found to be true um, towards Evander Kane. No, it's just why another layer to yeah, like yeah, man. what everything that's going on already. It just, I don't know. He just needs a quiet few months after all of this. If he is, everything's cleared. Um, what is this? The third or fourth investigation that's been around of Andrew Kane? Um, uh, I don't know what else to say. I believe it's his fourth. His fourth. Okay. All right. And I thought I thought it was it was three strikes were out, but I guess if nothing's been proved, then what can you say? Um, one thing we do know for sure, though, are the first three members of Team Canada, and they aren't really a surprise. Um, for some reason, apparently, pretty soon we're finding out at first the three members of all the big teams, and by October fifteenth, the fifty-five player long list needs to be submitted. So, for example, for Sweden, we know it's going to be Victor Hedman, Mika Zibanejad, and uh, Gabriel Landeskog. For Canada, it is Alex Petrangelo. Nice to see him and Armstrong are still on speaking to well, it's the Olympics, but still. Uh, you may have heard of these other two guys, Conor McDavid and Sidney Crosby. Uh, the Golden Goal. Pretty big deal. So was it just me whose Twitter feed or trending page was filled with questions about Alex Petrangelo? Because in my mind, no. yeah, so maybe I was just, I heard it on, um, I heard it on Kipper and Bourne. I saw it a little bit on Twitter. I'm like, I don't, the chances, the only reason Alex Petrangelo isn't at the Olympics is because he's injured. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. And just to be clear, like they're saying, well, you know, how about Nathan McKinnon? I'm like, sure. Like Nathan McKinnon's great. He's yeah. also going to be at the Olympics. Yeah. I, I did like, see a tweet that was like the disrespect to Price and McKinnon. I'm like, guys, this is just what? the first three. It's three yeah. names. Yeah. These are honestly probably like this is the captain is two alters. You, you basically have who arguably the best defenseman in Canada, like bad regular season. Who cares? He, remember how good he was in the playoffs? He was Vegas' only good player, um, against Montreal at least. McDavid, who is the future of Hockey Canada, and Sidney Crosby. Imagine complaining that those three are the first ones named. 
if you're genuinely offended or upset about this, like, I don't know what to say, man. Like it's three players. They still have to fill out the rest of the roster. Like the 55 lit man list is coming soon or 53. Like, like, come on, man. Yeah. It's three there, players. There's over 50 guys to still be named. So calm down. And, and it should be three at a time. Sorry. Should be oh, always three at a time. Oh, they should absolutely yeah. do that. Just the mind. Just the message people. Honestly, I can't wait to see what some of the Canadian like goalies are like after like Price and uh, like after Price and um, and Flurry. It's like what else do we have? Like so Kemper, sad. obviously, but then it's like Art. sort of Carter Hart, sort of uh, Mike Smith might be there. Uh, I'd like to take out my Mackenzie Blackwood prediction, by the way. Yeah, just I don't for think now. he's gonna be yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just a guess. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't get vaccinated. It, yeah, that's not. Yeah, happen. it's just a. I, I think my three will be uh, Price, Flurry, and uh, Carter Hart when he because he's gonna have a bounce back. Season. But then again, I picked six goalies in my prediction. You did. That's true. Yeah. I can't wait. By the way. Because it's the 55. There's going to be extra guys there, right? So you know what's going to happen, right? The Martin St. Louis Mike, situation? Michael Bunting. Michael Bunting. No, no. Not Bunting, but someone close to Leafs fans' heart. Oh. Hyman will Hyman. be now. I guarantee you, Hyman's going to be named to the 55-man list. And by the way, if he is and Gallagher's not, I'm going to raise all hell on this show, by the way. I mean, I want to make that very clear. But... What's going to be cool about the 55 list is, and CJ, Chris Johnson, not our, not our friend, I wish, was talking about, do you know what? This is going to open the list to a lot of younger players to maybe see it. Like, again, we focus, we love the Habs and the Leafs, especially on the show. Like, Suzuki could be there. And again, yeah. that extends to the likes of Hyman and that. So I just, I can't wait for the 55 list to be there. And it's like, what do you mean that Zach Hyman? What do you mean Darnell <laughs> Nurse is here? This is unacceptable. I mean, like, okay, um, I'm gonna look back on 2010 and yeah. their training camp orientation. And if you look back on the names that were there, like, you'd be like, what the heck? For example, give, give me some. Francois Boschman when he was on the Leafs. Excuse me. Um, Chris Mason when he was on the Nashville Predators, the goalie. Chris uh, Mason. Yeah, Chris Mason. I know Steve. Who the hell? Yeah, is Steve Chris was also Mason? invited. Um, who is Chris Mason? Mike Green, but I know it's, that's when he's still putting up like seventy points a season. Yeah, that, that's fair. Uh, Maple Leafs, Dion Phaneuf. Excuse uh, me. If you said Calgary Dion, I'd be like, okay, but Maple Leafs Dion, you're like, oh. yeah, he was invited. He was invited. It must twice. have been the early years. It must have been the early. He was also invited years. to the Sochi orientation camp, but like, he didn't make the team. What? Deal. Yeah, he was like uh, it's for the summer camp, not for like the. How Final many players cuts. do they bring to the summer camp? They bring like, be I, like 100. And there's like 48. So like, by the way, like just and for context, let's just remember this 55 thing. It's basically the A and B teams of Canada with some spare change afterwards. Yeah. That's the point we're at. So just I can't wait for it to come out and the outrage to be there. PK Subban. No. No. They didn't even want him on the team back when he was good. I did. I wanted him on the team. So, Hey, same. Honestly, not Dan Hughes. I don't care about the left the right balance. He's like, imagine it's like we got the best defenseman in the world. He's like our seventh D. I'd like to. I really laughed at when Will Baldwin came on and he talked about the Olympic team. And you know how I always make that joke. I brought out Dan Hughes how many times? Yeah. And then Will, that's the first. He's like, yeah, that was the greatest Olympic team ever. Even if you had Dan Hughes on the team. <laughs> Who did he say that again? The Sochi team. Yeah, the Sochi team. He does love that Sochi team. I think he's also biased because that was the one Price was on. Like, same here. 
like I, I like the Sochi team a lot. It's just it's just the Vancouver team is just so much more like poppy too because it's like a much more exciting gold medal game. Obviously, yeah. like probably the best one in Canadian history. And our boy um, was captain. What? Our boy was captain. Yeah, yeah exactly. Wait, Scott Niedermeyer when oh. he was on the Ducks. Oh. <laughs> Your Wait. boy. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? Like it's it's 2010's a lot sexier, even if 2014 was just like, this is insane. And it was like Petrangelo, Weber, Vlasic was there. And man, you really you really start to realize when the times are going down, when it's like, God, half those oh, guys, a Bowmeister would have yeah. been there. That's insane yeah. to think about. Um, kind of like the treatment of Jack Eichel by the Buffalo Sabres. Pretty insane. Pretty however, insane. however, though, it could be getting better. Um, thought number two on 31 Thoughts. As you can tell, 31 Thoughts saved the show. 32 saved the show this week. On Eichel, there is a push. Sorry, there is a real push to find a solution because Eichel's displaced disc can't be allowed to just sit on the nerve. Uh, he is going to need a procedure sooner rather than later. Uh, what's helped is he's getting his own MRI so he and his representatives can share proper information. That's a big deal. More difficult to answer is whether or not he'll be traded first or get surgery first, return to health, and plays games for the Sabres to regain his trade value. No one will go on record, but there is growing belief that there are teams willing to accept Eichel's preferred disc replacement. However, you have to be able to make the trade first. There's definitely a push to get him healthy, which could be the number one priority. And... And again, I think it's, there was word also that the Sabres are finally letting teams look at his medicals, which is so dumb that they, I thought they had done that months ago, I but apparently assumed. not. What are you thinking? <laughs> oh yeah, it's not. This, this could have been done. Eichel should be playing right now. Yeah. Realistically. Yeah. So two things from what Friedman said. Number one, it's a really good point that the disc can't sit there forever. Like no, we no one's really brought that up at all. Like this guy's Neck, been walking disc, around with nerves. the Ugh. disc sitting on the nerve Ugh. for months. Like no one's. It's just it's a really good point. We just we haven't talked about it. The second thing in the blog or uh, on the podcast, he had brought up. That like this idea that uh, Eichel could play games for the Sabres again. I don't believe that to be the case. I think they've done their damage when they took the captaincy away. I thought, and I, I still yeah. agree yeah. with the decision. Like they must the the only reason you're stripping the captaincy from Jack Eichel is because he is not touching Sabres ice again. Yeah, I agree. Like, wouldn't it be silly for him to get on, like to play with the Sabres without the C? Like it, to me, it's just, it's just silly. Dylan Cousins has the C. It's like, hey, buddy. That's like I don't. Know, that's like torment. If I was him, like this, all of this transpired, all this happened, and like, all right, get onto the ice. It's. As soon as I get a green light physical, I'm going for it. Like, I, I wouldn't... If I was the Sabres at this point, I wouldn't... Because, like, listen, it's Pierre-Luc Dubois. Like, listen, we still don't know exactly what happened in Columbus, but it wasn't over a broken neck. And he, like, gave up. Never yeah. forget that, by the way. God, how awful was that? Oh, my gosh, yes. And you look at... That checking. And you look at Duchesne's attitude when the, when the Colorado stuff, that was just because the Coats didn't like him. He didn't like being on a losing team. Eichel, it's been so personal to this point. And it's it's 
over his physical health like and that's going to go outside of the game like a messed up neck that is that is like um i forget what the term would be um but like just betterment in life quality of life you yeah. could say i can't see a world where he it's you get the surgery you're walking you're skating you go to a, a camp or whatever go see gary roberts or something you do you pass your physical and that's it and you you the only time you're ever in buffalo again is when you're visiting with montreal I think the guys made a good point on SDPN, uh, SDP, where I, I genuinely believe this is bigger than Kevin Adams. 100%. 100%. Like, it, it just, it, it has to be. Like, this is just beyond silly at this point. He's just the figurehead mm-hmm. at this point. Well, when he signed, the, the, the reports that came out were that he was very close to the Pagulas. And I've seen no other moves to suggest me otherwise. I guess he's made great deals, but the way he's per se handled this situation has not been great. No, 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 no. Far from it. Far from it. Just get high, get healthy, Jack, please. It's the, the hockey, like the, the Olymp, it sucks. He's going to miss the Olympics now. Like, uh, it's just a real, real shame for the guy, especially after all the players did and like had to argue with the with the league and almost had to lock out. It's it's tough to see. Um, Eichel's a pretty good player. We all know that. Really good, really, really good. Probably top ten in the league. You can argue, but you know he's not the perfect player. So I'm gonna ask you guys this: What player in the league would you say is closest to being perfect? It's like if you could draw a hockey player from scratch and I want this, 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 who is the perfect hockey player in the league right now? Closest to it. But she's Bergeron. Okay. Pat. I like Pat. You know that? Good looking dude. I would say I would say Crosby. Okay. Well, I think it's Sasha Barkov. Okay. Wow. AK, what he has in the other two is he's younger and I think yeah. at his peak, I think he's better defensively than Sid ever was. Not saying Sid was a slouch defensively, but, you know, Barkov. Not trying he can score, he can skill, not easy to knock off the puck, the takeaways. He's almost a souped-up version of Dotsuk. So, the reason I mention this is um, apparently Pierre Lebrun said on Insider Trading that the Panthers and Alex Barkov are deep into contract talks. Good. Um, and maybe there's a big enough push that this can be done. No, it's not good. I wanted... <laughs> It's good. You're not going to Montreal. Oh yeah, sorry. Good Everyone's for the pa- sorry. Good for the Panthers. <laughs> yes, not exactly. good for content creators. Alex Baumgartner is yeah. like, let's go. Yeah, so yeah. my my sorry. question is, does Alex Barkov pass the McDavid contract? I'd say he's right at twelve million, and that's just like feeling I kind of have now, where he's going to sign for term, and then I think he's a team guy. You know what I mean? Like he has been. Like I'm not saying he has benefited, but I said that. The way things have transpired with him is that they've been able to find wingers and not just Carter Verhage, but a lot of wingers that have just worked out for him with the way the Panthers are building the team. And they've committed to showing him that, listen, we're going to do all of these trades for you and we are going to build a winner here. And Mm -hmm. I think they've done that. So I think he's a team guy, but he also knows his value. So for me, I'll say 12 by 7. Why why not 8? You don't like 8? I don't know. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I have a feeling about the seven for some reason. Okay. Lucky number seven. Alex, what do you think? Um, I think he go, does go the full eight. I think it's best for, uh, especially for the Panthers, to get him locked up even that extra year. That should take him to 35. Yeah, 35 years old. I, 
I, I don't think he's going to get more than McDavid. I think he's going to get close to McDavid. Do we say that even with the Florida tax, or do you think Barkov's like, nah? I want to see. Know, we because... say the Florida tax, but I, I or sir, you know what I mean. The no, the no, subtraction. Yeah, no, no, no. You're you're right, but I feel like we always have that conversation with Tampa Bay, and I think that I think it's Tampa Bay as an organization helps with that. I don't know how much it applies to the Florida Panthers. Like this contract will be the perfect example to see if that Florida tax idea is really the Florida tax or the it's the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. Because uh, I don't think it's a hot take. I think you can say Barkov is better than anyone on Tampa, right? And I'm saying that I know Kucherov is a heart trophy, but it, if you were like, okay, so you can have Barkov or anyone on Tampa, who do you start? Like, who do you go with? I Because I'm saying Barkov. I would still go with Kucherov, but that's just me. I go to Braden Point. Excluding goalies? Are we excluding goalies, obviously? Yeah, yeah, because okay, goalies fine. are voodoo. Because I would take Vasilevsky, but it's I would personally take Kucherov. I know he's a winger, but I would still take him. I'm thinking mm-hmm. on the top of my head because I know Aaron Ekblad didn't really get that ultra max just yet, right? Yeah. Um, This may be like the biggest max contract since Roberto Luongo signed. His with Florida. Well, don't forget Sergey Borowski. Oh yeah, Sergey Borowski, ten million dollars. <laughs> okay, let's. Oh my goodness, I didn't even that. slot him as the starter this year. Um, you know, it's well, we'll see, we'll see. Um, a lot of stuff with the band. By the way, you, you got to imagine a big thing is if with Huberto, like beside they obviously probably want to win. If you're Barkov, maybe you hold up to see if the Panthers can do some stuff in the playoffs. And to see how the, how the season done that like goes, you probably think Barkov being locked up helps bring back Huber though. Like obviously probably. Barkov is the bigger priority because it's Alex freaking Barkov. But then we all kind of hope that maybe it all goes south. Sorry, Alex Baumgartner. And then Barkov hits free agency and he gets like he gets it's a max deal, like sixteen max million, deal. like as in like pure max. Like I don't, I don't think in the cap era we've ever seen a max like no. full term and cap hit deal, right? No. No. Even McDavid was probably a million or something off at the time. Um, so I want to say when he signed, it was around 13, 14 maybe? And he only went I for 12.5? Yeah, so he, I think it was 15. Um, the cap he was originally going to get was 13 and a half. And then he said, no, I'll take 12 and a half. Which, by the way, in hindsight, hell of a job by the agent for leaking that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they spent that on like Milan Lucic. So that's kind of disappointing. I have. This is not really breaking news. Oh, it's it's a joking breaking news. Okay. Andrew Raycroft just tweeted out: Charlie Coyle is better than Jack Stadnika. How probably, dare you? Probably true. Probably <laughs> true. Okay, um, we're almost done here. Um, okay, so I think next we can go to. Uh, Oh, I should probably take out the fact that Barkov happened. Anyway, though, whatever you pay Barkov is worth it. I like that player a lot. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's a few RFAs still around. Um, most of them are at the Islanders, but we'll assume they're signed. Um, beside that, though, Brady Kachuk is still just there. Um, and it's nearly the season. Like, we're almost here. So I'll read something from 31 Thoughts. Um, 
It's not DEFCOM 1 between Ottawa and Kachuk. This is thought number 5 from 32 Thoughts. But there's a challenging philosophical disagreement. The Sens believe that Kachuk wants to be there long-term, and I don't think they're wrong. Um, But Ottawa wants the commitment now, and the winger is not ready to go seven or eight years. That's clearly changed over the summer. Um, There's two factors at play. First, the shackles should be off the cap in three seasons. What? I thought that was happening. Okay, sorry. Um, should be off the cap in three seasons. Oh, he means overall. Sorry. Opening new contract possibilities. He, yeah, and even though, um, even though coach DJ Smith and linemate Drake Bathins were extended, I think Kachuk wants to make sure ownership's in, instability is not something he regrets uh, looking in for. So Alex was nailed that a couple weeks ago. Sorry, I absolutely crapped reading that. He means that the cap should be going back up in three years, not the Sens being willing to spend because that was supposed to happen now. Um, So, and apparently there were claims, so I forgot who it was on Twitter. I'm guessing you probably have it, Alex, that apparently the, um, sorry, do you want to read it then? Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's uh, Andy Strickland uh, who does some work uh, with this, like not with, but for the St. Louis blues, essentially. Um, this was yesterday lack of communication from Ottawa to the Brady Kachuk yeah, Brady Kachuk camp is a big reason of what's preventing Kachuk from being signed. The Senators owners owner, uh, Eugene Melnick has a history of this oh with star players. This team is set only on signing Kachuk to a seven or eight year term versus dodging a bridge deal. The Senators at times has gone, have gone several days without reaching out to the Kachuk camp. There's a solution and a deal to be made. Again, again, organization has a history of this with star players. Hello, Eric Carlson. Hello there, Mark Stone. Hello yeah. there, everyone. Hello, Chara. Hello, probably Alfredson, who's left the organization. Oh, yeah. Plus. Yeah. Ooh, Ottawa, just get it done, please. Please just get it done. Don't it just, do this it, to your fans. And this, I don't know, it's just the Brady Kachuk one. It's just kind of like it's that that diamond, that like that gem in a way. I know he was fourth, but it was kind of like it was the redemption thing where it's like we 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 talk about them getting rid of Bowen Byram, but we always said, but that's okay because Brady oh, yeah. Kachuk developed by when we kept that pick. So everything is relatively balanced in a way. I mean, like they still got Lassie Thompson to make up for it with a Matthew Shane trade. But I think he's someone that they envisioned that he may be the future captain. He may be a guy that is a building block for what Ottawa's trying to build there. And for all those young guys, he's the one I think is in terms of the forwards, the the furthest ahead of being the guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I just don't get what's... Like, why do that? Uh, maybe it's a ploy. I can only imagine how annoying it is dealing with the Kachucks right now because it's the Kachucks. And I'm sure they're not happy. It's like, can you tell your brother to shut up about saying you're captain? You make a good point. Why is no one talking about how involved this family is in this contract I would, negotiation? I would hate it. But the Canadian media lambasted William Nylander when Michael Nylander, when in fact he might have not even barely been involved. No one's talking about Matthew Kachuk on 32 Thoughts calling Brady Kachuk the captain. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. Let's not talk about that. What? No, what? It's, it's so annoying. Maybe because it's Ottawa. 
I don't care. It's Brady Kachuk and Matthew is literally just talking about it on 32 Thoughts. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was maybe that's why they waited so long to delete, to to put that episode out. They were just really hoping that by the end of it, it was like, we really hope that this contract gets announced um, before Matthews. I mean, uh, Matthew was like, hey, he's the captain. Um, What's up? Okay. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Like Jack Hughes said, like, well, you know, it's what happens when you play for the worst team in the league. Matthew Kachuk is like, well, my brother's the captain. And, you know, it's it's good. This contract negotiation is going nowhere. Excuse me? You know what they're going to do now, right? They're just going to make Artem Zip the captain just to spite him. It's like, okay, well, yeah, you're not signing. Yeah, of course. Okay, last thing we're going to mention before we go today, again from Insider Trading and again from Pierre Lebrun, the king. Okay, um, if Thomas Hurdle isn't extended by the trade deadline and the Sharks are not in a playoff um, a playoff spot, which is probably going to happen, um, Pierre LeBron has speculated that Hurdle might hit the trade market. That is a is a is a player to get. It, it is, and I believe Kevin Kurz of the Athletic confirmed that there have been no extension talks with uh between hurdle and the sharks so is that that's because thing too. like is it because like hurdle doesn't want to like to be like ah yeah sure buddy or is that like is it is it because of the sharks not wanting to have the conversation or because is it hurdle because i think it's probably hurdle because the sharks are awful i mean if i'm the sharks wouldn't you if you're the sharks wouldn't you want hurdle that's what I mean. Yeah, right. yeah I wonder exactly. if it's, like, yeah, yeah, it, it's it, Hurdle. To me, it's a, it must be. Because he's their best player. Diesel's he, agreeing. He he's trying to say, what about Eric Carlson? But it's like, no, Diesel, his leg. He's not good anymore. But it's, yeah, it's, like, yeah, it's Hurdle. Yourself, Kevin LeBanc. What about Kevin LeBanc? <laughs> oh, man. It, what, like, do you think he goes back and says, man, I wish I just took that long-term offer? Because we know that was available to him at the yeah. time. Because um, it did not turn out as great as he thought, as we all thought it would be. What's his contract? Well, but again, um, like on the hurdle front, yes, I don't know yes. what they're going to do. Like, I think if he really is set on wanting to leave and okay, if they don't resolve this, this Evander Kane thing and it drags into the season and then they're also bad, I think it's going to be one of those deals. And I, I feel it like we talk about the deadline, but I think it's going to be one of those early season deals where a team just tries to maximize their value on a guy. Yeah. And I know that doesn't happen all the time, but the way the sharks have been the last few years, and I guess the amount of weight hurdle has now on his future and the way that he's a sought after piece as a centerman, mm-hmm. they could get something. How about this? How about this? I got, I got, you ready for this? So Intrigued. Eichel's healthy. Yeah. And they're like, oh no, I've missed out on Jack Eichel because he goes to Montreal, obviously. Mm-hmm. One of, one of, either the Rangers or Minnesota are like, how are you today? How are you, Mr. Hurdle? I heard yeah. that you're a very good hockey player and you, you know, we need centers. Maybe it's whoever doesn't get Eichel gets somebody who is still pretty freaking good. I yeah, think that yeah. could be fair. 
Well, I think we said the same thing about Kuznetsov, right? Remember when we were all sure Kuznetsov was going to be traded and yeah, we're like, okay, well, uh, whoever gets Eichel, whoever doesn't get Eichel can go after Kuznetsov. I guess that is the same situation here. Yeah. By the way, really thankful Montreal didn't do that. Kuznetsov? <laughs> yeah. I'm happy about they Probably. didn't do that. Because I, I feel like Suzuki's going to be better than that. And if you're getting a center, they have to be better than Suzuki. Um, How about Vegas? Yeah, I could see them doing that with Kuznetsov. That makes yeah, yeah but do San Jose fun. do oh, that? No, I meant Hurdle. No. But yeah, oh, and Hurdle. I mean, yeah, Vegas with Kuznetsov. <laughs> it's exactly the player they need. But like, what do they send back? Yo, it's the Craig Reve trade, but like, it never happened, and the Sharks finally get Patcheretti. <laughs> and that's how it works. So, uh, so where is it, that trade tree, by the way? Sorry, go on. I'm annoyed that it hasn't been made yet. The Reve trade. Oh, so like, listen. San Jose's got some not great contracts. Uh, yeah, maybe I, one, really bad. Maybe bad. one of them go on LTIR or something. Maybe 34-year-old Mark Edward Vlasic can't play hockey anymore. I don't How know. Much? Alex, Alex, do you have their cat friendly up? I do. I'm can just... you please screen share it oh, so yeah, we can all be reminded of how bad it is? Yeah, give me one second. My goodness. I think they're the goalie. I think Aaron, um, not Aaron Dell. I'm pretty sure um, Aiden, Aiden Hill, Hill is hurt. Yeah. It's like, darn it. I didn't know he's like six foot six, six foot seven. He's a, that's a tall goalie. Okay, this so is there. We'll the, the goalies aren't there. that bad. Oh, my goodness. It gets worse every time you look at it. So, oh, my. So, Vlasic is still at seven million for five more. Five more years. Burns is at eight for four more. Eric Carlson's 11.5, and it goes for eternity. To, to check the red arrow. Where does it expire again? You never like to see the red arrow. Oh, this is the last year, 26, 27. He's in USA after that. Awful. And then Evander Kane, former years at seven, and Couture, who is 32, also goes off the page at $8 million. So I'm going to be, when uh, Carlson's contract expires, to put it in perspective, I will be 26 years old. I am 20. I'll be 21 in a month. I'll be 21. I'm 21. That's five years. I didn't know that they got Alex Barabanov. Yeah, they, they oh, yeah, I forgot him. about that trade. Yeah, they extended him when he played like 10 games. Yeah. Remember, remember how good Doug Wilson was as a GM? Yeah, what happened to that? This I think is, he was, yeah. yeah. I don't no, know. I was going to say, this is what happens when you can't admit that you need kind of need a rebuild. He, he did exactly what Ken Holland did. Brought back and And, and, uh, and Bowman to an extent. Oh, yeah, I said that last time. They, I, I, I told you guys, Nick Bedina was originally drafted by the Sharks. Yes. Which, yes. to this day, I'm like, how did that? When did Cogliano show up there? What are they doing? We need to get younger. 34-year-old Andrew Cogliano. They're bringing back the 2017 it's Ducks. The, it's the Bob Murray plan. We yeah. only want guys who are this old, and then everyone else, we're just going to draft. Okay, hold on, hold on. I'm looking at this. Not to, So Nick Benino's 33. You gave him a two-year deal. And then modified no trade clause. Okay, yeah. Speaking, yes, it's insane. It's what? it's not great. What? Uh, let's see if I can clause this. Yeah, he's a modified no trade clause, uh, five team no trade list. Oh, and and by the way, we should also mention uh, Vlasic, um, Burns, Carlson, Kane, and Couture all have some sort of trade protection, and and it looks like for all of his deal, Carlson is a full no move. Which is awful. And Vlasic is two more years than no movements modified. Yeah. So if, oh my God, that's awful. 
Okay, it's so com- completely off the San Jose Sharks for one second. Do you know who has a no trade clause? Um, Ryan Reeves. No, 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 no. Who? Zach Bogosian has a no oh. trade clause every single year. He has a three-year deal. Yo, I don't know if it's just because the expansion draft kind of was just gave us an expectation for trade projection now, but it's just the weirdest guys. Does Corey Perry have it by any chance? I wonder. Oh, I go, I'll go check. Sorry. Yo, seeing that video you sent of Bogosian and Perry assaulting one of those Panthers players was just pure heartbreak of this podcast together. It, it honestly was. It was. It was rough. Uh, Perry does. He has a no trade clause. <laughs> he has two years. He signed a two-year deal. He has a no trade clause. I hate Tampa Bay. I hate them so much. I hate them. This is ridiculous. Like, if Montreal had lost to any other team along the way in the playoffs, I feel like Corey Perry's probably have right now. But but Tampa were like, hey there, he's our and. It is not for Doug Ford and the country spending how many millions of dollars doing, you know, Trudeau and his election, Doug Ford doing anything of value. Zach Bogosian is still a leaf, probably. Probably. Maybe. Uh, Daniel, is there a favorite player you like on uh, the Ducks? Like an older one? Oh, this is, he's, they've literally hurt us all. Yeah. Yes, they have. All of us. Not to mention, you know, the whole team in the cup final thing was pretty rough. Oh, that was that sucked. That hurt a lot. Also, they won with Luke Shen. They went back to back with. Oh Luke my Shen. god! Oh my god! Stop reminding me. It's, it hurts. It hurts. Oh, and Curtis McElhaney. Stop! Stop! Sorry, sorry. I just, I just keep remembering. Was <laughs> McElhaney there for both the cups too? Yeah, yeah, he was, yeah he both was. the cups. He has two cup rings. Congrats Yo, on his retirement, by the way. We didn't. Did we didn't. Retire. We didn't mention that earlier. Yo, if if it's Mar- if you're Marlowe or Thornton, why are you not just begging Tampa to sign you and just put you on LTIR? And then you just show up and like you do you do Stamkos. You play one shift and it's like, oh no, I That's broke it. my leg. I got the cup. Whoa. Like, just do that. I'm. How am I supposed to see Joe Thornton absolutely just demolish Nikolai Ehlers? Like, what? I, uh, I'm come ashamed on. for you is oh, the shoot. funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. Are you there yet? <laughs> I'll get there. We'll get, I'll get there. Okay. Okay. Because yeah, I know well, you'll find it funny. It was poor Nick Ehlers. <laughs> well, he, I, he looked like he didn't care, but still, if Joe Thornton was talking to me like that and coming at me like that, I'd be terrified because he's a big dude. He yeah. is. And he I looks like he's not signed, though, right? Not yet. No. No, he'll get a three year deal and trade protection from San Jose, bro. I, I don't even think he's on a PTO. Oh. I, sorry, I just wish they put that entire clip like out of just him talking to Nikolai Ehlers. Like I know there's probably some not great things in there, but I need to hear it. I think we all do. Uh, Joe Thornton, what a funny dude. And now like, like after that first preseason game where Tampa and Florida just seem to have just assaulted one another, he's going to be part of that. That's kind of scary. Like Joe yes. Thorne, we all think of him playmaker, nice, funny guy, big beard, but uh, I would not want to find myself in a dark alleyway with Joe Thornton on the other side of it trying to like steal the puck from me. I know that doesn't make sense, but you know what I mean. He's um, he's an intimidating dude. I have breaking news, kind of. I hope this is good. Uh, it's from Nick Kiprios. Uh, 
Some NHL teams like the New York Rangers who are in on Eichel are past medical issues. It appears the New York Rangers will support Jack Eichel for artificial disc replacement surgery, providing they can come to terms on a hockey trade with the Buffalo Sabres. No indication they are close on a deal. Um, hey, 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 Bergevin, Berg, can you, Berg, can we do something about that, Berg? I, oh, so hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I just, Buffalo. It's just so annoying when you see that, and it's like all these other these teams are saying, "Yeah, we're cool with it." And Buffalo, you've had it. You've, you've. I hate it. I hate it. Okay. Oh. I just want to. Well, say we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, hundred percent. It's uh, got to be. Yeah. What is Buffalo's first game? Like first regular season game. Uh, well, it's not the Tuesday. It's either the thirteenth or the fourteenth. Okay, so you might have a week to wait. Well, I, what did I, you say in the group chat, Adam? You said you thought the okay, you thought the they're going to trade Eichel by the end of our reading week, which is next week, mm-hmm. which is a possibility. Um, I just there's got to be a deal to be made, and, and and I think you'll agree. And last thing here, but. Um, with now the Rangers allowing teams to, or with the, sorry, the Sabres allowing teams to see medical records. I, I do think that changes. Like I know we were joking about it, uh, that the Rangers uh, wouldn't trade Braden Schneider. And I think it was Zach Jones at the time. And we're like, well, of, like, that's so silly. Why would, why wouldn't you trade them? And now it's starting to make sense in a way. It's still a little silly, but it's starting to to make more sense as to why they wouldn't trade them. Mm-hmm. It's I don't know, like it's just so many complicating things going on right now that I kind of feel that just get the get it just get it done, get it out of the way, get him what he needs in terms of his health, and I think that's the most important. But if it is the Rangers, then I don't know. It's just kind of like, of course, it's the Rangers. I mean, it could be like, do you think knowing it, let's say the, uh, the wild are okay with, with the surgery, like, would they still be in considering the summer they had, would they still be in on a guy like Eichel? I think so. I think that, I don't know the way, like, I love Joel Erickson Eck, but he's just not a number one center. Um, who they really kind of have lined up right now is like Victor Rask still in the top six or putting Ryan Hartman as a center. And I think that that works in bursts, but you can't do that long-term. And I think that getting someone someone like Eichel will work out and they have enough young guys to kind of get this done. And I think what we said before, like a Jack Eichel home run right there would convince a guy like Kirill Kaprasov, like, okay, yeah, they're doing something. We're serious. Yeah. Exactly. Um, another piece of breaking news. Funny enough, not funny, just at the, of course at the end of the show. Uh, LA Kings forward Quinton Byfield suffered a left ankle fracture in last night's game against the Arizona Coyotes and will be out indefinitely. He has been placed on the injured reserve and will be reevaluated in coming weeks. That is from Elliot Friedman. My Calder favorite 
right there. Yeah. That that's so unfortunate because last year was such an odd year with the pandemic and you know, he did play in the AHL which I thought was probably fan better for his development than going back and playing in the uh playing in the OHL but man, it's just so unfortunate to start your second season, second pro season and it, it ending like that. Yeah, I don't know. I'll see where it goes because I know the Kings are. I know Gabe Velarde right now is slotted to play center for them. Right. So we'll see where Quinn and Byfield kind of fits in and everything. But yeah, it is unfortunate because we had so much enthusiasm with how the Kings were going to be or how all these young guys that they're a bit further ahead than most prototypical rookies, most tr- prototypical young guys, right. and the support they have there that they could do some meaningful hockey again. I mean, and adding Phil Deneau oh, yes. over the summer, um, for sure, you know, that that sets, that's like, this rebuild is coming to an end. And I think that is exactly what Kopitar and Doughty want. Um, mm. Is there anything else you want on Quinton Byfield, if you haven't noticed? Obviously, if you're listening, you don't know Adam has left and it is just the two of us. Is there uh, nothing else? really. Uh, Elliot just also confirmed what's going on. And yeah, that's, that's about it. Has he? Oh, yes. Okay. Wonderful. Um, okay. So I will, uh, let me just end this episode here. Thank you for listening to another episode of the two on one podcast. We uh, hope you liked it. Uh, please check out uh, the social media for the podcast. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok should all be in the description below. Uh, if you're on YouTube, subscribe, like the video. If you're listening, subscribe, give us a rating on iTunes. Um, and then check out our individual social medias, Daniel stuff at uh, CJRU, Adam stuff at um, Adam stuff on his YouTube page, and then my blog. Uh, Thank you, you to Podgo. And thank you to Podgo for, yes. for everything. Um, as well as, um, am I missing someone? Who uh, was it? Our, our, our new sponsor. Oh, HelloFresh. HelloFresh. Hello Fresh. Thank Hello you, guys. Fresh. <laughs> awesome.